Hello, Plantation. Welcome to the City of Plantation's podcast. I'm Dr. J, formerly with Plantation Information Radio. Thank you for tuning in. We hope the information provided within the episodes of this podcast help keep you, your family, and your friends safe during this pandemic. So we're privileged to be joined today by two plantation police officers, Chavez Grant and Robin Mail. Welcome, everybody. Hi. How you doing? Thank you for having us. Great. Thank you for being here. So what we wanted to do today is, is chat with our first responders about how this whole COVID outbreak has really impacted them. And we have the two officers here today, and we're going to ask them specific questions, and we're just going to chat a little bit about what's going on and how their lives are affected and how their jobs are affected by this. So let's start right off. And basically I'm going to ask the both of you is how has the COVID virus changed your daily routine? What is different? Um, Well, what I could say is, is most different is um, just pretty much how we interact with people. Um, It's a little more different. We're a little more cautious about how we deal with them. Um, I know one of the most important parts that that we've preached at the department, and one of the things that I think about when I arrive to the scene is, um, on any scene, is that the more people we deal with, the more chance we have at being exposed, but also the more chance that we have to expose the next group of people that, that we encounter or, you know, the, the next call that we go to. So uh, it's just about being more cautious, being more, you know, uh, cognizant of social distancing and things like that. But and, uh, you know, if you have to go hands on and things of that nature. But, uh, you know, the, the the greatest thing we think about is how can we keep ourselves safe and, you know, not not contaminate, the, you know, our community. And I think on top of that, um, the call volume has changed a lot as well. Not as many people are calling because not as many people are out and about. Um, and also there um some of the calls our our sergeants are having us make landline now instead of going out there to actually potentially expose us or them or the next group of people. So, so just like telemedicine, it's almost like tele-law enforcement. Right, right. Exactly. So let's let's talk about the, what you just mentioned, reference to fewer calls for service. You know, as we just said, telemedicine, like tele-law enforcement. Um, how do you think that impacts the community, that fewer people are calling and requesting service? Um, well, I think that people, people aren't out driving as much. So you're not getting into road rage incidents or accidents. You're not getting into disturbances at the park or at a business. So I think it could be helping people, you know, stay home and not have those issues. But what, you know, one of the things I do want to mention though, is the other day we did have chief Harrison in here and we talked about, uh, some of the calls that we are getting now and the strain that it may be putting on limited resources, such as calls for people who aren't wearing masks or congregating in parks or whatever. What have you seen with that? I think lately um, people are quick to call when they don't see it because they're trying to practice those measures themselves with the social distancing and wearing the mask, and they get frustrated when they see other people not following the order. Um, But if nobody wants to meet with us, it's hard to – to talk to them about it. So some of the calls, if it's a party at somebody's private house, we're not really responding to something like that because it's their house if they want to do it. Now, if it's in a public place, at a park or a parking lot or something, then we'll respond for something like that. So 
Um, yeah, I, I think it's important just for people to think about, you know, what what risk are these people, you know, posing? So if you're looking out your window and you see two people walking past, you know, your residence and they're just going for a walk and they don't have masks on, then, you know, it's not that big of a deal as opposed to someone, you know, uh, walking around in Publix or, you know, a place like that that doesn't have a mask on or, um, you know, or like, you know, like my partner here said, uh, if someone's having a party at their home, you know, in their backyard or you see through the window that they're having a party or something of that nature, there's, you know, there's not a lot that we can do about that. And, and, and again, it's someone in their home. So, you know, I just want the, the community to think about, you know, what, what, what risk is being posed. And, you know, like you said, sometimes it drains our resources to have to go out and address these issues. All right. Very good. Following up on that. What do you think for the the law enforcement professional, the law enforcement officer, specifically our officers, what is the greatest threat to you from COVID? I think the greatest threat is, I know from my standpoint and, and a lot of the other officers at the PD is, you know, someone at the PD being exposed and being that we work so closely um, and, and, you know, a lot of times in groups. Um, you know, being exposed and then passing it on to, you know, our administration, other officers. And, you know, like I said before, previously, most importantly, you know, other community members that we come into contact with. So, you know, the I know one of the things that that would really upset me is to, you know, be exposed to, to COVID and then respond to calls for the rest of the day and infect, you know, the community who was calling for help. Right. So, you know, that that's one of my concerns. And, and of course, taking it back home to my family. So. You know, those are some of the things we think about. I was going to say on top of that, taking it back home to family. And right. and I'm my husband is also in law enforcement for a different agency. And, you know, if I get infected from our from our department, then I bring it home to him and and then all my family, because we've all been kind of quarantined together and we see my parents and my in-laws on a daily basis. So I would also bring it home to them and then whoever they are in contact right. with as well. So. So do you think the the bigger threat due to the virus is is contracting it personally from the individuals in the community that you interact with or is the bigger threat not practicing proper viral hygiene and bringing it back to your family or the organization? I, I think it's a little bit of both. Um, I don't I don't think I would put one over the other. I think it's a little bit of both. Right. Uh, you know, having to, to toe that line and kind of figure out, you know, which is more of a threat, um, because for all of us, we think about our family first and foremost. But at sure. the same time, you know, we got in this job to help people. And the last thing you want to do is, you know, pa- pass on, you know, this virus to someone else. Right. So, Absolutely. Yeah. Right. All right. Very good. So so here's an interesting perspective. Um, and maybe you guys are too young to even remember this. <laughs> but um, after 9-11, you know, first okay. responders were big community heroes, and we were celebrated, and and you know everything was was just uh, amazing, mm-hmm. uh, and like everything else, that that kind of wore away over time. Now we're starting to see that again. You hear the conversations, you see the promotions on TV. Mm-hmm. You know, COVID heroes, community heroes, whatever. Are are you seeing any of that? What kind of reactions do you get from the community when you go out there and work with people? I do get a lot more thank you for your service or be safe. Um, so I think, I don't know if it's quite the same as right after 9-11. It was, that was a very big incident that happened, but I do think that we are getting a little bit more appreciation these days. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Uh, for the record, I was in sixth grade. 
Oh, so you were yeah. you were all you were older then. Yeah. You were. <laughs> but that makes me feel old. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Sixth grade. Uh, but yeah, I I would echo what uh, what Robin is saying. Um, a lot of times, you know, you get the thank yous and, and the be safe. And I think that uh, with everything that's going on, especially on TV, I think it's kind of bringing into perspective, you know, the uh, the first responders and our medical care workers. You know, those workers or essential workers who have to work every day you know, that continue to expose ourselves to potential dangers. And I think, I think the people are seeing that. Yeah, because nationally, and I mean, I won't take a deep dive into this, but nationally we've seen that it, it's been quite difficult to be a law enforcement officer, right? Correct. I mean, times have changed and, and the society sees it a little bit differently. Right. So from your perspective, if things are making a turnaround, do you think that that will have lasting effect on the law enforcement community? I, I think it will in some ways um, because, uh, again, uh, I, I think sometimes what happens is when when things like this don't happen, people kind of get uh, kind of get detached from what we do on a daily basis. Right. You know, right. and when things Absolutely. like this happen, they understand, you know, what we do and how we continuously right. do it, you know, exposing ourselves to the dangers. Uh, you know, like he mentioned, 9-11, uh, you know, a lot of people loved firefighters before then, but now when you really see it on a grand scale and what they really have to go through and some of the sacrifices they make, you know, it brings it into perspective and kind of helps people see it. So I I think that this will have somewhat of a lasting effect. Right. I hope so. And I think that typically people forget that we show up, officers are called during, you know, one of the worst times in their lives or or an incident that happened that's got them completely distraught. So they think of us as responding to f- for the bad situation, and I think they forget that we're actually there to help. Right. And right. So. Yeah. No. Absolutely. That's a good I think point. I think this draws attention too because and correct me if I'm wrong or agree or disagree, but I think at the foundation of it, it's reconnecting law enforcement to the community. Possibly. Absolutely. Yeah. I I absolutely agree with that. Um. It, it is all it, it is all about connecting with the community. And, you know, like I said, when things like this don't happen, you get that kind of disconnect. Right. But um, this, this kind of brings that connect back together and us educating the community and the community calling us to be educated and, uh, you know, us responding to calls. And, you know, it just reinforces the education and, and the connection between the community and, you know, helping everyone understand that we're all in this together. Right. You know, I think that one of the one of the greatest things is that, uh, people understand that, you know, we can contract this too, um, you know, because we are people just as they are. Right. Um, and I think when they understand that, that's why they show more appreciation when they see us wearing the mask, right. you know, because we don't want to contract the virus. I think that helps them understand that, you know, we are exposed to the danger and, and kind of brings that, that kind of connection. Right. You agree, Robin? I, I agree completely. Yeah. And I think it's important, as, as you said earlier, not just to protect yourselves, but in the process of doing so, you're protecting the rest of the community by not causing the spread. Right. 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 Yeah, yep. absolutely. 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 I think we all agree that we hope that this uh, kind of horrible incident or this pandemic changes things moving forward. We see the community a lot more together. We see food drives and mm-hmm. we see people helping people and neighbor helping neighbor. We see the community a lot more in touch with their fire department, their mm-hmm. police department, and even their city officials. And we kind of see everybody banding together to get through this. So, you know, I'm hopeful. I'm sure you are that that this 
moves forward and stays that way, even if we can keep maybe a percentage of it, right? I right. mean, hopefully, um, yeah, at least yeah. A, at least a portion. Yeah. Of that's a benefit. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. I, th- I think it's just a reminder as to, uh, you know, what we can do as a community, and I think it's good for people to see that, um, even if it's exposed in this in this pandemic or this unfortunate time. Um, I think it just reminds people that, you know, we're all in this together. Right. Kind of getting us back to the roots of where we used to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Community policing, right? Exactly. I mean, that's that's huge. And right. we've always, defi- from the fire department, I mean, obviously, because we're a unique fire department, a combination department, we live to engage the community right. in, in what we do. So, so uh, you know, with that in mind, and, and maybe we did touch on it a little bit, but I just, I, I just want to go a little bit deeper into it. Moving forward, you know, looking at where we are, where we were, and where we're going, what are some of the things you think you might do differently in the future, the way you do your, approach your job? Um, I think just having more consideration for people and understanding, remembering that when they call us, this is a bad time in their lives, and that's why they had to call the police. Like, who who else do you call when you have an emergency? So I think just moving forward, we have to remember. Hey, I take I take exception to that. <laughs> well, <laughs> yes, that too. Um, but um, I think moving forward, we have to remember that, yes, they're acting up or distraught or whatever. And we have to remember that this is a dramatic event for them. And we have to put ourselves in their shoes to see, not necessarily know how they're feeling, but maybe try to understand it and cope with it a little better. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I think like like Robin said, the empathy. Um, but I also think, I think for me, it would be, um, you know, offering some kind of education or some kind of resources because now, you know, some people don't really know about the pandemic and, you know, this person's not wearing a mask. And so right. you have to educate them. Well, you know, social distancing and the mask, how those things play a part. Um, some of the resources, you know, some people call, and, you know, because they don't have any food on the table or, you know, they lost their job and they're going through something tough. So you might offer them a resource. Hey, there's a food drive going on here or, you know, reach out to this place for unemployment, or, you know, something like that. So I think I'll focus a little bit more on, on being educated about the resources that the department or the community can offer. And you really become more of a community advocate than Absolutely. anything. Right. right. Terrific. Bringing this all into perspective there again, obviously on a daily basis, your job is a challenge and you talked about keeping yourself safe. With this, with this whole COVID thing, what scares you the most? What is the one thing that keeps you up at night that makes you go, oh, my goodness, now what? I think um, contracting it and not knowing it and then bringing it home to the family. And then once you do find out about it, you know, you're quarantined until you can't see anybody. So God forbid something, the worst were to happen, you can't even say goodbye to anyone. And I think that's what scares me the most. Yeah, I think I agree, Robin. Uh Definitely taking it back home to the family. But as I mentioned earlier, you know, contracting it, not knowing and then exposing it to every other every other person or every other call that you go to. And, you know, my partners and my colleagues at the PD. So I think just contracting it, not knowing it, as Robin says, and then spreading it to other people. Absolutely. What scares me the most, because what we know from various studies out there is there is a large percentage of people who have been infected. Uh, developed some antibodies to it, and never even knew. Correct. Never even knew they were sick. So it begs the question, how many people did those individuals come Mm -hmm. into contact with throughout the course of day-to-day? No no illness, no symptoms, no nothing, and spread it around. And then, of course, you know, were people who were immunocompromised Mm -hmm. or elderly, 
um, you know, contract it and develop significant symptoms. So right. I'm with you 100%. That's what scares me absolutely the most. And I know that I had responded to a call a few weeks ago and I was talking to the guy. We were doing our social distancing. We were both wearing our masks. And at the end of the call, he's like, oh, by the way, I diagnosed positive two weeks ago. That probably <laughs> was yeah. right. at the end you of your encounter, not at with. the beginning. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So, and that would put that a chill up my spine a little bit. But yeah. um, I guess he had been quarantined for two weeks and he didn't have any more symptoms at that point. But right. didn't get tested again to see if it was gone or not. So, Well, the wow. one thing, and, and you guys, I'm sure you see it as well, is what we see is there's just so many sources of information out there. And we know that probably I'm going to go out on a limb and say the majority are accurate. They're coming from the government, the CDC, uh, various government organizations and medical societies. But there's a lot of disinformation out there, Absolutely. and it creates a lot of confusion, right? There are a lot of self-professed experts who are giving mm -hmm. expert advice, and it creates a lot of confusion. Dr. Google's always my favorite. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it creates a lot of confusion amongst our community, right? Do you, are you seeing that? Are you seeing people with varying degrees of understanding and thought process. Absolutely. And I think that that's what's frustrating to some people the most is that someone who does educate themselves with the right resources and then someone else who tells them something completely different that they got off of Dr. Google, like you said, and it's like a huge in incident between the two of them. And so it turns into something. Right, right. Let's let's try and close this off with and, and you mentioned about that. You, you mentioned that experience you had with the with the gentleman who told you at the end that he was yeah. he was positive. What if you could say something to the residents, if you could just, you know, talk to them directly, which is your opportunity right here. Right. What can they do to help you make your job easier? I think that if they don't know um, to begin with, if you don't know, educate yourself, um, you know, go to the CDC, uh, you know, call the city. Um, we, the, I believe the city puts out a, um, updates, yeah. updates. updates. regular right. updates. We get the updates tw twice a day. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, because yeah. the guy who writes them is really talented. <laughs> incredibly good. Is at that it. you? <laughs> so, um, he's got no shame. We, we get, <laughs> None we at get, all. We get those emails twice a day. Ten, ten, yes. I believe 10, 10, and 10 a.m. You, you can thank me for Employee filling, filling your mailbox. And community ones as well. And it's okay. updated right. on so our a resident website. one, right? right. Correct. Right. Yep. Yeah. So um, I think the best thing the community can do is if you don't know to educate yourself uh, through the the city website or through the CDC, um, or if you don't know you need some resources, call the police department. You know, we'll we'll be more than happy to more than happy you know to help you educate yourself on the you know on the pandemic. Uh, I think the education part will help eliminate the unnecessary calls. Um, and, and draining our resources uh, on calls that we don't need to re be responding to. Of course, social distancing, wearing masks, you know, simple things like that, I think would really help us, um, you know, on the law enforcement side. Yeah, absolutely. I think Terrific. just using common sense and being courteous to everybody else around you. You have to understand, you know, you're going to the grocery store for the same reason the other person is, you know, so, or you're going out and exercising for the same reason the other person absolutely. is. Absolutely. So just... Practice your distancing. If you have to run in the grass for 10 feet because someone else won't move off the sidewalk, you know, move over. It's We spoke about this in the last episode 100%. Uh -huh. Absolutely. Like, just be patient right. with your fellow resident, right? right? Just be patient because everybody's stressed out. Uh, you know, people with kids are, are at home mm -hmm. all day. Mm-hmm. And then they get maybe 30 minutes to go out and exercise right. and trying to, you right. know, work off that anxiety. So, yeah, I think 
uh, patient goes a long and way. And some of yeah. us bring our kids when we exercise, so we don't really <laughs> get that right. <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's nowhere to go, nowhere no, to hide. No, no escape. Yeah. But I do yeah. like the words you use, courtesy. I think that's a key word in this. Yeah. Yeah. Terrific. Uh, well, Officer Mayo, Officer Grant, thank you so much for spending some time with us. Hopefully we gave our residents some perspective on you know what your job is, the challenges of it, mm-hmm. and what they can do to hopefully help make it better and safer for you guys. Yeah. So thank you very much, and stay safe. Thank, thank you, you for having us. Thank you. And wash your hands. Yes. <laughs> You've been listening to the City of Plantation podcast. Here in Plantation, we're working hard to bring you the latest, most accurate information available about the coronavirus pandemic. Remember... If you have specific questions, you can email them to askcityhall at plantation.org. Don't forget to visit the COVID-19 page on our website and register for Everbridge for up-to-the-minute changes regarding the outbreak. We want to thank you for tuning in and taking the time to listen to the experts about how to keep yourselves, your family, and your business safe and healthy during the crisis. And don't forget to wash your hands, cover your cough, and maintain a safe distance.